Alright, so episode 126, Moonwalking with Einstein. We read the the book by that title, and it was on memory, and how to improve it, and we will start with you, Nate, and see how you ingested this book. What were your thoughts? I thought it was really interesting and not at all what I thought was going to pique my interest because I'd heard of some of the, like the tools, the mnemonic devices to remember stuff. If I'm using that word, I probably use that wrong, but <laughs> I'd heard of some of the things before. So it was interesting and I'd already had interest in that. But what really got me was kind of the, the little things, the history of memory and how that affects us. Cause I think it's such a big thing about like human culture and humanities with how we use our memories and now how we don't have to and how that's changing us. And it's, it seems like it's easy to look at that now, but to look back into the past where someone like Socrates, I think he was kind of talking trash about people reading books, (laughs) which is funny. So it's like, there's always the kids these days kind of element to history. I think to every generation, but I, I was really, really fascinating and very interesting on what we can do what we're capable of doing. And I loved going deeper into it and thinking, you know, we tend, I tend to think that my memory is fixed and this was definitely something that enlightened that where it's never too late to start changing things and how much it changes my life, you know, just exploring something like that. It's a muscle just like anything else. It was a really, really interesting book. And I really liked the way that Joshua Fower if I'm saying his name right, that his style of writing where it seems like he does a really good job in making it almost like a, like a fiction novel that it's characters going along and really smart on his part. He's a really talented writer. So I had a great time with it and it's definitely something that I want to keep, you know, in the front of my mind, I want to expand on that and maybe go through and read it again or read excerpts again that I liked and earmark some chapters. So I had a lot of fun with it. It was a really good book very very interesting and it's definitely changing the way that i view things and also how much content i take in too because i think that the more that i ingest the harder it is to remember remember things so it's good chris what were your thoughts at first i i think i felt like i i I, I couldn't think of anything I really wanted to remember. And I think it's it's one of those things where I, I'm still doing that, trying to figure out something that is worthwhile. And it took a little bit of time during the episode. Um, I Probably the first thing I thought of, um, I read through the entire book first, and then I came up with the idea of, uh, well, that's kind of getting ahead of myself. Um, I enjoyed the book. Uh, I think uh, I probably had my first kind of real excitement when he started talking about the the memory palaces, and then I started to feel this like this inkling that wait a minute, this might not be just some thing that I was expecting to read it and find out that I don't got the knack. You know, this is somebody else's uh, bag, and that it's a 
somebody's trying to sell me something and I just can't do it. And then you're going along and hearing about the locations and starting to realize it does work that way. There's that spatial element to your mind. Um, and it was really cool that I got a chance to remember some stuff using it and and just to be able to realize that it works. And um, it, it kind of gave me some insights about why my memory growing up through uh, you know first couple grades in school was so good when it came to just remembering facts. It's like I was very visual and it I haven't had that feeling with memory since I was a kid. Like, wow, that thing that I put there, it's still there, you know. Or if I see something in a certain way, it just it will not leave my mind. Um, I guess that's something that we kind of we we haven't relied upon as much growing up past a certain age. It's more like critical analysis, or you're, you know, you're utilizing technology to remember for you. Um, so it was very interesting. Yeah, it um, definitely reading through the book. You, I think we all kind of at at some point talked even before this discussion. It's like, how are we going to use this? And and then you become very aware of how reliant you are on other things to hold memories for you. And obviously, like, that's the day and age that we live in. But it was it was fascinating to explore a time where that those luxuries didn't exist. They hadn't been created yet. And kind of the, you know, whether it's true or not, the legend of, you know, it kind of surfacing in Egypt. And it was like, are we going to do this or are we not going to do this? And um, it it was fascinating. I was also, I was kind of touched by the um, the memory palace idea. And I think that was, to me at least, that struck me as the strongest tool within the book. Um, I, like during that time uh, of reading it, I got a call from a, a friend that I used to work with at Whole Foods. And he was like, hey, you should come up. We're having a little celebration uh, for Thanksgiving. <clears throat> and he's like, come up, bring the family. And I was like, well, that's kind of hard because of the timing of it, but I'll go up there. And so I went up there and I met a lot of people that I've never met before. And so I was like, okay, this is kind of a good opportunity to test some of this out. And there was one guy who was already kind of familiar and I had seen him in Whole Foods. And I'm sure both of you guys have experienced this where like somebody just, you remember their face. And I remembered this guy's face and I knew right away I had seen him twice since I've worked at Whole Foods in the past three and a half years. I don't know why. He's got a very friendly face. He almost had, he almost looked like Jimmy Stewart and that's probably why it stuck, you know, and I had recalled that he had, that he worked at another Whole Foods. And so 
you know, this is before the memory palaces and stuff. So he just, he stuck out to me as being memorable already. And we were talking and it was he and his wife and then another couple. We were talking and they said, where do you work, Phil? I was like, oh, I work for Whole Foods. And I believe you, Jordan, I believe you do too, correct? And he's like, <laughs> kind of sits back. He's like, I don't think we've ever met and I was like briefly really briefly and um, he was kind of taken aback and um, but after that day I wanted to remember his name and so on the way home I was like okay I'm gonna use the memory palace his name was Jordan and he worked at Whole Foods and I just you know I was like in the rare occasion I've only seen this guy twice before and I was like but if he comes back in, I'd like to say hello and remember him. And, uh, you know, it's like by chance, he just happened to be in. And I looked up and I was, I'm working and I looked up and I see him and it was like, he's the door knocker. <laughs> Cause I had placed him as a door knocker, um, to mom and dad's house. And I, I made, I was like, he wears, like, he's a golden door knocker that looks like Michael Jordan. And so instantly, as soon as he walked in, I was like, there he is. There's Jordan. And I, but like, that was all in a moment. I, cause I was, I had my head down, I was working and I was like going somewhere and I glanced and I saw him, but I was still working. And I was like, eh, he probably doesn't even remember it's been, you know, like half a month or something like that. And then I see the recognition in his eyes and he goes like this. And I was like, Jordan, <laughs> he's like stunned. Just, he's like, you remembered. He's like, how do you do that? And I was, I was kind of blown away. I'm like, I know this is never going to happen again. It's only because I was reading the book at this perfect time and I happened to go to this thing and he was already memorable, but there's a power to it. And so it was kind of cool to like experience that. I'm like, Oh, that was like a gift from the universe. Like, Hey, you know, here's a, here's a layup. Like this guy was already, you already remembered him. So that was kind of a, that was kind of a cool happenstance from the book. But yeah, it's it's potentially a very powerful thing, and um, I believe remembering people is probably the most important thing in our day to day because there's a there's a respect there. You know, when when you see somebody, and um, you know, I, I a lot of the guys that I work with, they're in different departments and they don't wear name tags. And so now I'm making the habit of, you know, I, I see these guys all the time and I say hello and they say hi back. And of course, I'm wearing a name tag so they know my name and it's just, it feels disrespectful that I don't know theirs. So now I've made it a habit to just ask what their name is. And, you know, I've got Kevin McAllister in, <laughs> in the meat department and every single time I'm like, I'm never going to forget this guy. You know, he... He loves booby trapping his house. You know, it's just like you, you stick these little things onto them and then they become memorable and you're like, I'm never going to forget this person or that person. So it's, it's cool. Yeah. <clears throat> we, we briefly 
talked to Phil about that, and I memorized all the people in my broader unit. And we're kind of like in two different locations. But it was nice to be able in my mind to have the the physical location of our of our hallways, our cubicles, our offices, so I can just march down a certain path and go, Robert's here, you know, uh, Vicky's here, Allison's here, Lynn's here, you know. Um, and it's weird how just moving through like that, you can, I mean, I was able to go through one way and then backtrack the other way. And it, it was weird how I, I was thinking, I tested myself with backtracking going the opposite route, thinking that I might have some trouble. But it was just strange how all the all the names, all the faces just come right at you. And it felt, if anything, and it was kind of weird, I only kind of felt this once, where because it felt too easy, like the answers are being fed to you, it doesn't feel like it's your power. It's yeah. mm-hmm. like you just go, but it's just there. So, but there's a relief. I think it's just, that's how it works. So it's not really something you have to, put a lot of effort into and um because we had a you know i mean we went through the holidays and stuff i i did some other things that i remembered and i would just walk through them maybe once you know uh every couple of weeks and that was enough because everything for the most part like i might have one or two things that were kind of hazy but for the most part they were all there and it just it did strike me as being a little too easy sometimes. Um, I was concerned with like, you know, Joshua, he's going through this stuff and he's got these palaces set up. He has these associations and then, then people give him new information. So he's like on the fly, just going, okay, I'm stuffing you here, 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 here. You know, it didn't take me long on my own to remember things, but it was things that I was somewhat familiar with. Mm -hmm. I was remembering a lot. Um, so not only did I remember all those people in my unit, um, I thought it would be, not that it's really helpful, but I wanted to see try my hand at remembering a lot. And so Jed McKenna's original trilogy, there's three books. I memorized every single chapter of those three books in a row. And I have... Each book has one location, and one of the uh, books, the second book, I mapped onto the people in my unit, so each person has a chapter, and I would remember, it was it was easier to remember with a person, and uh, in fact, the third book, the first book I mapped to Lucky's with a certain pathway through all the different departments, oh <laughs> and you. every single time, every single time. Um, and then the, the third book I mapped to my route out of my current unit, which included my drive home. So I, when I realized kind of late, it was like, instead of just having a palace, like a place that you know, for me, it was like a route I would take to and from work, to and from places, using highways, exits and stuff. And I would just put things like that. And that was really helpful. Um, but every single time I did it, um the second book i had physical people you know that i was already i had mapped onto those locations but the other two books i didn't and so what i found myself doing is making 
not every single time, but people would just fall in place. Like walking through Lucky's, I would find, uh, you know, Mark has this, Mike has this, um, Steve is right here. You know, I would go to these places, uh, the third book, um, people would pop up. I've got James Earl Jones. I got Christopher Walken. I got Mark Wahlberg. They're there. And it, it always was very helpful when you've got, <laughs> I've got Christopher Walken on Stockton Boulevard hanging outside Hugs, the, the medicinal marijuana uh, dispensary. <laughs> and he's going, and he says to me, Christopher, ordinary superpowers, you know? <laughs> and it, when I was starting to write this stuff down, it was like, as soon as you, superpowers. Um, And a lot of times it was, I would read the chapter and know where I could, you know, I'm still continuing on my route. And as soon as I read the chapter name, like a, a face, a name just popped out at me. And if it pops up to you, like if it comes to you the first time when you're just writing this stuff down, you know, it's already in there. So it's like, why did it come out in the first place? You already kind of have some association. So it's like, okay, it goes. And of course, you run through it again, and he's there. So I, I had, I thought there was a real strong thing about having people. Even if it wasn't the people you were trying to remember, they helped you in some way. So that was that was really cool. Yeah, I think I read somewhere that our ability to recognize faces is insanely accurate. Like where they were talking about that test that they did with people where they showed them 10,000 images, something like that over a few weeks. Yeah. And then they brought them back and then they remembered a really high rate. I think like if it's faces, it's insanely high just because it's so important for, uh, you know, from a human standpoint, it's like children that you've got to know who's safe and who's not, that that's like imprinted really early on. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, well, and I definitely felt like uh, well, what Phil was saying is as far as having I'm in a situation where I've often I'm in an office where some of the people are in cubes or they're they're students they're they're usually at a I don't want to I don't want this to sound pretentious, but they're usually at a lower level and they're on the other side. So they hardly ever see us. And I was always embarrassed because I didn't remember who they were. I recognized their face every single time which goes to you know goes to uh, what you're saying but it was the name that was hard in fact every single time they would come in i would say hi and um you know kind of say what i do see what they're working on and they would leave and i would always tell my coworker, like two seconds later what was that person's name i will remember them i will remember what they work on but i don't know who they're who they are what their name is and it just felt wrong um so like Phil, like I want to see him in the hallway and not just say, hi, how, how's it going? And not expect an answer. I want to say, how's it going, Allison? You know, and it just seems like sometimes there's, there's, I have less of those connections in my life. And it would be nice to, to feel like that, to, to feel like, wow, you, you care, you know, it goes a long way. Yeah, I, I agree with both of you guys on that. When Phil, when you said that, you sent it over a text about remembering everybody's names. Um, one of the worst feelings ever, I think, is when you're talking to someone and you're like, hey, nice to meet you. Put the hand out. And like, We've met before. And you're like, ooh. And then the next step is not remembering their name. Like, to me, I've done it a few times and that's the worst feeling. I'm like, 
what a jerk, you know, because it just shows that I was just bowling the whole situation over. But we do it on all sorts of levels. It's really hard to remember people's names if you don't make a conscious choice. And I think that first and foremost is like, as I was going through the book, I'm like, what am I going to use this for? Cause there was, I was lucky to have like a, a, you know, a new job at the time. So I'm learning people's names and learning, you know, drink recipes and a menu and stuff. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I was stashing stuff. But the one that really sticks is that is remembering who people are. I think it's super important. And we meet so many people that it's understandable that, you know, I think that's probably part of it. In the past, I'd be like, oh, I just, I, I've met so many people. It's really hard to keep, keep it all in there. But it's like, that's just lazy. This shows that you can absolutely remember everyone's name. You just have to put a little focus on it. Yeah. It's important. I got to cra- crack me up too. So working in bars and restaurants and stuff, people have always made fun of me because I write everything down. And when he's talking in the book that you have to be interested in something like, well, you don't have to be interested I think the way he put it was that the more interested you are in something and familiar with something, the more likely you are to remember it, which is hilarious because I always write everything down because I don't give a shit what you ordered. <laughs> There's times that I would go to people and be like, hi, what can I get going for you? You know, can I get you some drinks? And then they just start throwing food at me and I'm like, not even listening to me. So then I just start forgetting everything they told me. So I scratch it all down so I won't forget, but can't crack me up. Yeah, I uh, I remember writing down orders left and right, and my I think it's definitely a muscle. I think my long term memory is really sharp, and my short term memory needs a lot of improvement. In reading this, I'm like, okay, here are tools in order to you know improve that. Because, you know, like I've mentioned before I, to you, Nate, um, there was a guy who came into the bar and it was like this one, I mean, very similar to Jordan. This guy was, he had a certain look to him and his face was memorable. I've had this happen a handful of times in life. And we got into discussion and at the bar and then he was... uh you know, we we're going back and forth and he's like, yeah, this place is really cool, man. And he's like, I've been here a couple of times. So I was like, yeah, we've actually talked before. And he goes, and he kind of gives me this look. And I was like, you worked at this other bar as well. Do you still work there? And he's like, how do you know this about me? And he was kind of like put off. I was like, well, Kelly, a bartender who used to work here, we went over to your bar for her going away party it was like a year ago and you were at the bar and he goes did i serve you guys i was like no (laughs) he's just like shaking his head it's like how do you remember that i was like well and then the last discussion that we had was on a certain kind of whiskey that you were interested in and you you had a little bit he's and he's just blown away he's like how do you remember this i was like i don't know and it got locked in and i you know, again, on the note that you made, Chris, for whatever reason, you don't feel like it's your superpower at all. Certain things stick, other things don't. And that's just one instance. It's not like everything. Obviously, I'd be, you know, loaded with money if that was like absolutely everything and I could remember everything. But it was just like this weird little thing. And I remember that guy saying, he's like, 
oh my god, you must make so like such good money if your memory is like that. And it's like, no. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm one of but, the lesser bartenders here. But but you wonder if something was going on when you, you solidified that memory. Yeah. And you could go back to those examples. I mean, you say that you have a couple of them, but not nearly enough. And you can dissect that and try to see what you can, you know, if you can get more of them. Yeah. And I think it was probably proximity of, you know, him coming in probably happened right after we saw Kelly off and went to his bar. And then I remembered that discussion because it happened, bam, bam. And then time went on. But the whiskey he was talking about, I was interested in because we had just gotten a new rollout of whiskeys. And I remember there was like High West, Four Roses, and there was like a couple other ones. And then there was like a rye whiskey that he was interested in. And he ended up only having makers. But it was like, it was just those, I think it was the duration of time was very short between those things. And I remember thinking like I recognized him when he came in that time. So then it was like twice and then he came in, you know, it had been a year or whatever, but then that was like the third time. So it's like, I had seen this guy at that point three times. And then there were like these three different places that I kind of associated him and he, he had similar whiskey taste that I was interested in. So it's like, there's just all these commonalities and then it made it seem like, oh, you've got these superpowers. I'm like, no, because a, a guy, you know, who maybe had ordered something that I had no interest in. <laughs> I'm sure there were people that came in all the time. And I'm like, I, I've never seen this person before in my life. And they're like, he's been in here 20 times. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you know, so, but it is, I think that's a good note is to take note of what made him memorable. You know, why yeah. did he stick into your mind? And yeah, that's well, that that one example that Joshua had in the very beginning. And it was funny because I had a moment reading it where he had said, if you have a dirty mind, that helps. And he was talking about Claudia Schiffer swimming in a bowl of cottage cheese or something. And I'm like, I can see how you could make that like stick it like knowing my mind. She's still at the front door at mom and dad's house. <laughs> <laughs> and right there you're like, well, I can be creative. I, I don't have any problem changing all that stuff. And I've had those images in my mind um, stick, you know, and if anything, it's like, oh God, I wish they would go away. Um, but unfortunately I did that in my head and it's still there. And, but I just never thought of that in any creative sense like doing that um but i could see instantly how that would just stay there forever um and you know he made other ones too just absolutely just the most ridiculous scenes that would make you laugh and then suddenly god damn it you know danny devito is right there <laughs> you know right where i left him um there was just a it's really uh interesting um did you guys he Joshua had many moments in this book where he mentioned other things um I don't know if I I don't want to derail it um 
something I was thinking about was, I guess in terms of remembering certain things, um, I kind of went off my own tangent at one point and I never really got into it. Um, I wrote some little description of something, but it, something I was trying to make it more helpful to me as opposed to, you know, just having the question of, okay, what do I do with this? Am I going to Vegas? Am I going to do the Dustin Hoffman? What am I going to do? Um, am I am I going to put it to some type of use? Um, one of the things that came to my head was didn't feel like so much a parlor trick or something more practical um, on a day-to-day basis, but I realized there were certain things, certain patterns and behaviors that I did that I didn't particularly like about myself. Um, you know, getting easily frustrated. At, um, and that usually kind of... It, it, I need to get out of my own way in those, in those moments, and yet it's like I'm, I'm quick to want to get something done or something completed, and um, my, my quickness to get frustrated would uh, kind of derail that. And I wondered if there was a way that I could find those, those behaviors and somehow change them in a certain way. So I had this idea with anger, if I could come up with a place where my anger was, where my stress or my anxiety was, and say, you know what, no, this isn't some diffuse thing. I want to, when I get stressed, when I get angry, I want to associate that with this place. And so in my case, and like I said, I just wrote this down. Um, I haven't really done too much with it. In fact, I just thought of it today. I, I thought of it a while back, but I didn't write out the description until today. But I came up with this, uh, the library in in Jordan from the Last Crusade. It's the that library at the end of the Valley of the Crescent Moon. Mm-hmm. And I'm walking in there and... Um, Basically, John Malkovich is in there. He's on this throne made of purple velour, and he's dressed up like a like with clown makeup, and he's got a court jester's costume on, and he's holding an eight-foot uh, pink dildo scepter, and he stands up and starts screaming at me, let's scream together, let's crucify our enemies, and, and he's wearing a strap on. I wanted to make it so ridiculous, but also associate my anger with that so i would always go there and then immediately see him and go what was i doing you know um in a way i was trying to modify my normal behavior that was unconscious and just a thought (laughs) now um the the tool of like seeing malkovich is that to show or um to present to yourself how ridiculous it is yeah. to get angry? Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, It was, for me it was, um, and in my description it was this voice telling me kind of, um, you know, you're, don't feel bad about being angry, but go to your, go to your, ang- your anger palace. You're, here it is over here. And then, of course, you're presented with the god of anger, John Malkovich, who looks ridiculous and is screaming the way he does. But, and I, we were talking about Malkovich a for a couple days for some reason and he just stuck in my head and I couldn't think about him without laughing my ass off but 
the one thing that happens with me when I get to that place, it's like you're just in your head and you you can't slap yourself out of it. But John Malkovich, looking the way he did, he probably wouldn't even need all those things to be memorable. Um, <clears throat> but he would certainly make me kind of, you know, rouse me out of my stupor. Um, and But he's... I think you do have those memories... Uh, we talked about having kind of programs, things that are unconscious and things are kind of conditioned. I think those things are remembered. It's not just some trivial fact. Now it's a part of you. It's this It's this pathway that you go down every single time without really thinking. But if we could find those programs which and make, make sure they have a location and put new things there, I think we could change them. <laughs> that is such so, an amazing really, idea. Yeah, that's awesome. We were we in like did we talk about Malkovich because it wasn't long ago. I think it was like maybe a month or so ago where I was angry and I was in the car and I was like just getting it out. I mean, I was screaming, I was you know, like getting frustration out. And I started sounding like Malkovich. Did we talk about this? We did. Okay. Oh, we, yeah, okay. I, I think we I was did. Say, no. This is so bizarre to me. That, that, no, no. <laughs> this is right around when you were talking about when you sent the text of picture John Malkovich calling IT support. <laughs> <laughs> I forget who said what. I, I, I thought of Malkovich being on a flight and the stewardess asking him if he wants, like telling him the choices for dinner. And then as soon as he picks one, that, goddamn, um, telling him that basically that the choice he made they're out of it and then he just blows up like irate um but yeah i think all three of us started going back and forth and i was even coming up with this idea that would be the next episode um which along those lines but um kind of playing characters or whatnot but it malkovich to me was such a strong character so memorable and it just there was something about it that just got my creative juices flowing and I, I knew I could put him in certain places and and I started toying with that idea. So Yeah, I think I think that's an amazing idea. I think there's yeah, a lot of strength to that. I'd like to explore I mean, I think that's a episode in and of itself that would be very worth entertaining because I mean, I think everybody in the world has experience with kind of getting into a rut mentally and you're like, I wish I could get out of here. Yeah. But you're stuck and you have to, and you know, it'll pass. It always does. But to, you know, to be able to have something that completely disarms you instantly and you, you're like laughing and then you could kind of smooth things out after that. I mean... I think that's the goal of meditation, but it's a, I think it's a longer journey. I've been doing headspace for a couple of days and just yesterday, or was it this morning, whenever I did it last, um, he was talking about how to like, look at your thoughts. Like if you have a storm cloud, realize that you know, blue sky is above it. 
storm cloud clouds are passing sometimes they they come in and they look real dark but they'll always pass and i thought that metaphor in and of itself has power to it to realize i mean you know we've talked about that everyone has come to that realization yeah this this too shall pass but when you're in it and you're stuck and you're like i want out now that only emphasizes it and it's it's the idea of like a malkovich or you know a metaphor knowing there's blue sky above this it will pass and you know also like with wim hof there there are these tools that it's like yeah but you can kind of hijack this so you can move past it that's what i want i think that's what everyone wants it's like do i really have to wait for this slow thing to pass through because when you're in it is it's not desirable it's not a place that you want to be and i think you're right it's a programmed thing that you've kind of fed whether you're aware of it or not i think most of it us aren't and those things really gain a lot of steam the older you get you know they become things that can control you and yeah it'd be nice to like be able to take control of that and smooth it out and be like eh. heck yeah <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't affect me anymore yeah i think the power also power of associations that you see what you can do from a memory standpoint but i like the idea of using that same thing to put reminders where you find yourself in that anger cave you know that place that you know you're going to be behind the eight ball so put a memory in there a reminder for yourself like john Malkovich with a big pink dildo so you go oh wait a minute it's not that big of a deal because like when you're in that spot there's no talking sense into you know you're going down that path you're you're we've done that so many times but that's a great idea you gotta do that it's funny when you're talking about it as soon as like oh, i wonder what mine would be it hit me like a lightning bolt of if i'm pissed off going into a room and it's joe pesci covered in blood saying let's kill him let's get him i'm like no joe <laughs> i already got mine <laughs> well it, let's rip it, their fucking heads off <laughs> to me i wrote it too i wrote the description of kind of like someone saying like especially when I'm in those moments I'm stressed or, or whatever the deal is, I also have a part, a part of me is fighting it too. So it's also don't get angry, don't get angry, which makes me angrier. Mm -hmm. It's the more further I go down in that rabbit hole, it gets worse and worse. But now I've got a person saying, no, 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 you can do it. In fact, amp it up, but come over here and do it. We can really get going, you know? And then you see that you're like, dude, I, I can't even be angry anymore. Yeah. Um, you go full Donald you, Duck and then just laugh about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, which is what I wanted more than anything else is to, well, it's like what I was saying about the, um, the memory. It was that at that point, it's no longer something you have to, it's not trying to not get angry. It's, it's not trying to remember something. It's something that you just, you've, feed something there and it just takes care of itself it's you've altered the program the the remembered program and so hopefully it would be fairly easy um and you wouldn't feel like it was i don't know i just really haven't done too much of it but i think the idea is strong and i think that those things are learned otherwise remembered patterns so um, what's the difference if you remembering, oh, you know, this deck of cards or these names uh, versus something you picked up along the way? You certainly 
weren't exhibiting certain patterns when you were five that you do now, you know? Yeah, the an example that shoots out to me is uh, um, Grandpa Twitchell. There were little, you know, little remnants all around that kind of showed that he was a thinker and he knew he thought too much at times he dwelled and i think he was combating that you know like just that little sign sometimes i sits and thinks sometimes i just sits and and then he had that little spot there were a couple spots around their property and I remember sitting in those spots and I couldn't help it. It was almost like because he and grandma, I'm sure too, sat there, there was a gravity to it. And I remember just being up there and like sitting in their little glider that's on their bench and rocking back and forth and feeling it. Like I, I wasn't really, it wasn't like a conscious effort. I just sat there. And I remember him coming up at one point and he just put his hand on my shoulder. Like you're doing it right. And I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing right now. But I was already doing it. And I think he was working with that and then knowing like toward the end of his life where I think mom said it where she was like, I think he worried himself to death. I think he like gave himself a tumor worrying about grandma he couldn't get out and i feel like you know thinking about that there's a commonality there's like almost a superpower to that but just like every superpower there's it's a double-edged sword if you don't know how to use it and he was definitely working on it he knew that was something that it's like he could use to his advantage but it was also to his disadvantage at times because he couldn't control that and i feel like there are things there that i'm starting to see with myself that i'm like who i need to get control of that because at times i see that i'm like wow i it it definitely helps my life but then there are other times where i'm like that's definitely hurting me um that I'm able to spend so much time on something that I know, you know, like a thought or whatever that is not doing any good, but I'm like trapped in it. So, um, to hear you devising this tool to help get out is yet another thing that it's like Wim Hof was awesome. Headspace has been good. And I think this is, you know, it's another thing, another tool in the toolbox to help aid against that and say, no, get out of that. Here's how you get out of that pattern. So thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. Well, thanks for the episode. I mean, uh, you know, the book and the episode. Um, he, uh, Joshua had several things that at least it, at the, sometimes, uh, he mentioned the OK Plateau, which seemed completely unrelated and wonderful, which I wanted like a whole book on. Um, and then he, I don't think he ever 
talked about um, patterns, like uh, behaviors and stuff, but I was like, but wait a minute, that's, that is a remembered pattern, you know? Um, it just made sense to me that you could, I, I kept trying to find ways to apply this to other things. Um, and that seemed like a good one. But, um, and can I say that I'm highly impressed that you worked with the tools in the way that you did to remember the Jed books? That blows me away. Like hearing that, I was, <laughs> I'm thoroughly impressed with the fact that you developed kind of your own, it's like a hybrid system that you were intuitively placing people and working well, with it. I, I didn't initially think of people. Um, I already, the first thing I did was I remembered the people at my job because we mentioned that very briefly. And I knew the people I wanted to remember. And then when I was, I wanted to learn, I couldn't think of anything else. And I wanted to get a lot of, I wanted to find something that I could remember a lot of information for. I. I've read the books many times, um, but I, I I could never rattle off every chapter in a row of every single one of those books. So I was like, well, that's a lot of information. And it's it's not it's gonna be a parlor trick when I if I were to tell anybody, that's really not the point. But it's just a lot of information. I really want to get a lot of stuff under my belt just to be able to to have some an exercise with it. And that was a that was good. Um, and then it was that second one that I just, it was, I could just place them in that same place. And at first I was thinking, well, would that be, I'm placing too many things in one place because I have a person there in that cubicle, but now I have a title too, but I knew that they wouldn't like conflict with one another. There's nothing about the cubicle that's very memorable other than the person. It's that person's cube. And now I'm just giving them an object. You're now the people are hanging out in these cubes and either they're dressed a certain way or they're they're telling me the, the title, whatever that happened. Uh, um, and uh, and then the, the people showed up in the other two books um, just naturally. So it just felt like and not even like an intuitive in my sense, it just felt like right. I was always in a certain place, like a cer certain workplace, and the people that were working there were just always along those pathways because I was going to their department. It's like they're already there in my ma my mind, you know, so it's like, okay, fine. Mark, you, ha you have this chapter. Mike, you have this chapter, you know. Um, and then when I was in a place that didn't have any people, it the people just came up of you know of themselves i needed some other thing to be able to to re make that place memorable and it was just like uh I, there was a chapter a brief a brief preview and siskel and ebert were there and then i went to a brief preview and that was ryan reynolds i just heard his voice going in a world you know um and I don't know. Every single one, there was people at every single time. It just felt natural that a person would come up. So I don't know. Once again, it, it felt like that wasn't. Can uh, um, it just felt natural? 
so. Yeah, I think um, I don't want to cut this too early if you guys are still rocking and rolling, but um, I should probably hit the hay pretty soon. <laughs> but I think we've touched on some really cool things. If you if you guys want to do um, kind of a midway wave between who's who's next up? I'm next up. Yeah, or we could just hit your wave as soon as we, as soon as we can. Because I, I think like for the next month and a half, I'm pretty smooth sailing. Okay. So, but I'm just I I don't want to like I can feel my energy is <laughs> drained, and we've hit on some really cool things that I'm like I don't feel like we need to add anything more to it. I want to just. I want to almost jump into an exploration of what you've developed. Yeah. It's, it's really, really fascinating to me. Think of the things that I want to change about my actions, my, my fails that I know I have every once in a while when I'm like, ah, that's a, that's a rut that I've developed. And then put those reminders in there to counteract that. Yeah. I want to play around with that. That's, that's powerful yeah. stuff, Chris. That's yeah. I think Thank that might you. be, I, one of the most powerful things like if we can master that oh god yeah those are the weeds you know yeah oh I in the garden if we can pull all the weeds man do we have a, a good looking future nothing but flowers <laughs> yeah i'm gonna go pull we some weeds good... with bloody joe pesci <laughs> you know because i mean you know some of uh, i i can't even get into it you know um, well, do you guys want to do a, do a, I mean, a midway, do a, a continuation and then come back and talk about uh, some of the things that we use this for? If you want to start looking at your own behaviors yeah. or do you want me just to go on to the next one and we could, we could, I mean, 127 is not going to be specifically about that. Um, I don't know. It's up to you guys. Yeah, I'd like to play around with that. Um, I'm down to do do a follow-up episode on that, like 126.2, and kind of talk about, you know, experimenting with that. I'm down for that. I'm, yeah. I'm probably going to do it, you know, I'll do it on my own anyway, just because it's, that seems really valuable. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love the opportunity, because, I mean, you okay. bringing that up, that's that's a lightning rod right there. Well, and I, I feel bad because it's, I mean, it's something that came up and I thought about it, but I didn't put a lot of effort into it. In That's fact, perfect. <laughs> today, and I, I'm glad I've got you guys to say, come on. It's, I mean, I, I had a moment today where I was prepping for this episode because it's been a while. Um, haven't read the book uh, in a while. And um, I just wanted to start to write all my notes out and I started getting really good stuff. And then I started prepping on the next episode. And, but as I was going through, I remembered that bit about the behaviors and I started to write out something and realized that I really, I needed to stick him there. And, but I'm glad you guys see some worth to it. It's also a reminder for me, like, Hey, come on. It's, um, uh, you got to do it, you know? 
So, and anger is just one of those many things, but um, I don't know. It also sparked a really great day for me where I just, you're, you're kind of blasted in your, you get, you're reminded that you can, I don't know, I'm trying to add to it, but um, I think it deserves, uh, you know, a further look. Yeah. Cool. 126.2? Okay, so in this episode, uh, it was given birth to out of episode 126 after we we listened to, uh, I'm sorry, we read Moonwalking with Einstein. And I had, I had talked about this idea of creating this kind of mental palace to, as a way to hijack your own behaviors and uh, hopefully to get yourself away from behaviors that you didn't like about yourself and also to improve, you know, move yourself towards certain good behaviors. Um, maybe the way I saw it was more like a state elicitation uh, or modification. So, uh, What'd you guys think? What'd you guys do? I personally, I went through several, several periods of intense, as I have been, intense conflict with my children. Uh, Hudson is getting to the point where he's aware enough to push Elena's buttons and Hudson's one, she's three, and now they're both, you know, they're mobile. And it's high stress situation because you want them to converse and you have to give them some leash, you know, and uh, ability to, to interact with one another. But it just seems like they're at a point right now where they fight over and over and over again and it's frustrating because it's it's pretty much all day and so this was a perfect test which i failed over and over and over again um and i kept getting tested on it and i was like i need to work on my palaces i need to work on my palaces and i was thinking of it like homework you know like i have to i have to i have to and every day, although I was being challenged, I never got to that homework. Well, I, I would sit down and I would write out, okay, this is going to be my joy palace. This is going to be my anger palace. And it's kind of like I was mimicking what you set forth and it sounded really good. Like, I, I want to do that. And the idea was there, but it's like... It sounded good, yeah. <laughs> it, it sound, yeah, it sounded amazing. But again, and I know I've used this metaphor before, but it was like Duchovny in Zoolander with his glass hand, like trying to grab something. It was like, this is, I, I, I can't pick it up. Like every single time, like I, this is what, here are the things that I want to put in this palace. And it's like, this isn't working. It's not, I can't wrap my mind around it because when I'm in that moment, like none of the things that I was thinking of when I was calm would really come to mind they weren't good metaphors for me to use while i was in um in that state but then 
you and I, Chris, we had a conversation over the phone that was like, it was really eye-opening in the fact that I, I heard that you said you were struggling as well to like mm-hmm. build a palace and like really make it work and function. And then we started talking about like Bill Murray and some of the quotes that he's had and said, you know, to the effect of like, you do everything better when you're, when you're relaxed. And it's like, yeah, that's really fucking good, Bill, but I'm in an intense situation and I understand I function better when I'm relaxed, but you know, it's really hard when everything outside of you is a storm and but we were talking about that and you had mentioned chris something about to the effect of like imagining him and i i can't remember the exact metaphor but the thing that i started using but the thing i started using i think this was it was like he was in a like a rowboat or a uh, like on an inner tube and we're like in massive waves and he's just sitting there with like a, a cocktail you said yeah yeah and so i was it was like the next day right back to you know shit show elaine and hudson are like grabbing each other and i was about to jump in and have my normal reaction and i was like pause and i saw bill and i was in the middle of this i was right there in the storm and i'm like what do I do, man? Like, and I was stressed out and I looked over at him and I was like, hi, Bill. And he goes, hi, Phil. (laughs) Just like in his like warmth and like just this cordial manner. And he was on his tube and he had, and he had a cocktail. I'm like, what are we drinking tonight? And he goes, Long Island. (laughs) I started laughing. I'm like, a Long Island? And he goes, yeah. And we were like out to sea and it was storming and he, and he made a joke. And then this is what like really impacted me. He goes, and it's a long way to the Island. <laughs> and he like points and it was like way, way off. And he's like, have a good one. <laughs> and then he floated off and it was like just chaos, you know? And I'm like, but it was enough that I realized I'm like the issue here because I like, I had that pause because I had the levity within the chaos, I was like, what is the issue here? The issue is, is that we're inside, we are stuck inside, and we have to deal with one another. And anytime I am not right there, they will fight. So the problem was, is I was disengaged. But anytime daddy was playing with them, which daddy should be, then the dynamic changed because they realized they're not going to get one over on each other. And then the focus like came to me. But even past that, I realized like as I was calm, I'm like, we need to switch things up because we've been we're getting into a rut. And I think that's, you know, oftentimes with every situation is that you know you find things that work and then they work and then they work and then they slowly stop working and it's designed that way that you're supposed to continue to grow and stay aware and it's 
a slipping of awareness that um, makes things go off the rails and it's gradual and then you're like why is this happening like it's been working this whole time yeah it only there's a certain amount of time that it'll work and then it will stop working so i think with parenting and just about anything that you have to fight with or you know i mean i don't even want to make it sound negative but just anything that you have to have to do you know one thing i was um susceptible to in parenting is that as soon as something works you hold on to it you're like "Ooh, this is the pot of gold and then it doesn't work and then it's but what you really wanted was to be able to turn your awareness off and just have the tool the tools powerful but you're not you're not awake you know you're not you you're not on your toes so when it fails to work which it will always fail to work yeah. you need to you need the new tool um now you're you're even you're doubly pissed off and but the lesson there is that you're going to craft a lot of tools but the tools are never going to be the it's never going to be you you know you're the one who has to wake up you're the one who has to be better and just even realizing that that relationship that communication with bill that has to be on that has to be in the moment uh, or whatever it is you know whatever even if that has to evolve and I'm sure it must um, you have to you have to be ready to see that in the moment you can't just kind of tune out and just say no 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 I've got the I've got the howitzer now so all is good you know and to that end I think you know, and I'm guilty of this as well at times is that the, the howlets are the tool that is really easy to turn to that I've, you know, that every parent has found is that it's like, if I turn on the TV, I can distract one of them right now. Hudson's not into it, but it essentially turns your child into a zombie and they're getting just messages, which half the time I'm like, okay, she's watching beauty and the beast or whatever. It's like, they're not it you know this is rated g stuff but still i noticed you know that like that's laziness on my end and i won't fully cop to that that there are certain days where i'm like i'm i'm fucking lazy today i've worked a you know a full week i'm exhausted and i get to you know my monday which I'm still, I'm at work, I'm with my kids, you know, so it's like I have to be on top of it, and sometimes I'm just like, I don't have enough juice in the tank to be the jungle gym, to be the the puppeteer, to be the book reader, and I'm like, I just need to turn one of them off so I can freaking get to a better place, because if I try to do any of those things right now, it's not going to work, I'm going to be half-assing it, and they can feel that and then it's going to be a nightmare anyway so it's like i think you're right that you have to stay on your toes and nothing is a solve all and even the things that are it's like you have to be aware of those too because that can be a danger that you're like oh they're switched off i'm gonna go do my thing that becomes a problem because then mm -hmm. you're not raising your children you know walt disney is and he does an okay job, but every once in a while it's like, 
like I noticed with uh, Lena's behavior after watching The Lion King a few times. She started acting. It was like right. I I was having flashbacks of Ronnie's sister acting like a cat and like thrashing at things, and I was like, "Holy crap!" There, like this isn't just. I mean, like her behavior is exactly the same. She's crouching down and she's like, she lashed out at Hudson, and I was like, "This is exactly what Jenny was doing," and it's because she's watching that behavior. You know, you have very powerful images, very, very powerful, powerful um, music and everything. And she's being moved emotionally and she's reacting toward because of that in in a way that's similar. So it's like mm-hmm. that there's a danger in that. You got to be, you know, on your toes to pay attention to that stuff. Do you feel like <clears throat> like you got into a spot where you were able to use Bill where before and it got you out of that kind of place that, you didn't want to be and you're like normally i wouldn't have passed that test and it helped me yeah the and it was right after chris and i had that conversation it was the following day i used it and then um it got me out but then it the thing that was great is that i used it once and it brought awareness to the underlying issue i didn't have to use it again the past week we've been going out and we've been skateboarding and she got a scooter for um for her birthday and it has been a game changer because and there was a learning curve there for her to actually use the scooter that wasn't the problem there was a learning curve with what to do with hudson during that time at first i i put him in a uh, stroller and then he started crying because he's looking at us having fun and he's like, what the hell? You know, like, what are you doing with me? Like, I, I just get to plop here and watch you guys have a, a ton of fun. And then so I was like, okay. So then I put him in the pack. And and I went really slow on the skateboard. And he quieted right up. And he was like, I'm digging this. <laughs> and so that became... Our ritual it has been for the past week is that I've been putting him in the pack it's like right after Elena gets home from school I put him in the pack and then she jumps on her scooter and it was amazing because already um, the very first time I was doing a lot of micromanaging and hand-holding with her on her scooter and she was getting frustrated and I took a, again, I took a couple steps back. I'm like, what am I not doing right here? And then I'm like, well, how did you learn how to ride a bike? And I'm like, oh, well, it took me two years. I got really frustrated. Dad was teaching me, but he was teaching me in a way that was not working. And it got me so frustrated. He was like, just do this. And he's like holding my, my hands on the bar and everything. And he's, he's trying to teach me how he learns. But I didn't learn that way. And so I realized I'm like, I'm doing the exact same thing. Like that, you're just like, well, I don't know. I don't know how you do it. So um, I grabbed my skateboard and then I pushed off and I just eye rolled. And then she looked and she goes, and her eyes got big. And she was like, how does daddy do that? And she was amazed. And then she kept saying that. And I'd never heard her say anything like that with like that kind of like astonishment. She goes, how does daddy do that? And she just said it like four times. And she's like, do it again, daddy. And I like, I went and I was just like 
taking off and she's like astonished and she's looking at my feet and like that session didn't end well like she she didn't get it the next day we go out i'm not even thinking i grab my board and i'm like here's your scooter and i just pushed off and i turn around and she's scooting and she just figured it out because she was watching me that reminds it, me sorry no, no that that's it that reminds me of the matthew walker yes podcast exactly where he's talking it because she got a night's sleep she slept on it yeah and they were saying that you know yeah. while you're getting a good night's sleep your brain is going through it like 20 times faster yeah and making those adjustments and it's, it's like failure is okay yeah at that point but she slept on it and then all of a sudden it was like learn from her failure and here's yeah. another piece of the puzzle so that day we go like when i picked her up from school well when i dropped her off and picked her up by the trash can there's a huge like dumpster by her school and there's this creepy effing doll it's like it's taller than she is and it's left by the dumpster somebody left this like hey if your kid wants a doll that's huge and creepy as hell it looks like a marionette and it's like this and it has lipstick all over its face and i was like that's the creepiest shit i've ever seen and i just ignored it like when we went in but when we came out she saw it and she sees this creepy doll and she's like oh i want to see elsa and she's like thinking of frozen or something and i'm like okay let's go over and see elsa and i take a picture and i send it to chris and like, this is funny as shit because this is the creepiest effing thing and i'm like please don't ask to we're not scrounging this thing this is gross and kristen's like oh my god tell me you didn't scrounge that and i was like no i didn't scrounge that freaking doll but elena like as she's looking at it she's like oh it's so so messy and like she and then she like starts looking at it like it starts creeping her out a little bit so okay flash forward my point being is that that night like we had done the scooter thing it went well that night she's going to bed and i see like we're talking like how because we we've been doing this uh kristen started this um behavior uh like habit and it's great that like before the end of the day we rehearse you know we we relive what went great like what did we like about today what did we do today what do we like and i love that because that, that's perfectly in line with you know like being grateful and everything and so she's like oh we went on the scooter and i i played with friends at school and then her eyes kind of like get this creepy look and like fear and she goes this is all she said so so messy and i was like uh oh she's going <laughs> she's going right to that doll and so i was like did we play on the scooter and i was like i just need to counter this this creepy idea with like a more powerful and more positive message and she goes phil oh, says i want to sleep tonight <laughs> yeah exactly exactly very selfish uh means and i'm like did we go on the scooter she goes yeah and I'm like, and you were pushing off? So in thinking of that Matthew Walker um, mindset, that's exactly what we were doing. I, I like redirected her, not because I was like masterminding, like she's going to master this skill. I was just trying to like counteract the creepiness of that doll. But 
that was the thing that was at the forefront of her mind when I left the room for her to go to bed. So I bet you she was just thinking of that. And then the next day, I was just astonished. I'm like, good God, like, how did you go from, she couldn't even stand on this thing right, to, like, she's kicking, she's putting her feet on the scooter, and she's, like, cruising a little bit. And I'm like, that's amazing, you know? It definitely makes a case for bite-sized chunks. Where you do a little bit today, you do a little bit tomorrow. And it's funny, because I think we all know that consistency is, you know, more important than intensity. And and yet, how many times, you know, it's like intensity comes when I'm being consistent and it shows up when it wants to. And then some days I just got to get through it. But when you hear the science behind that shit and it's proven that, you know, a good night's sleep really gets you more. It's like, man, this just makes me want to set purposely set timelines where it's small. So even if I want to keep going that I know, no, that's good. And I want to yeah. come back even more. You know, and then we'll we'll broaden that and get more intense as I get more skill and experience. I don't know if we talked about this in a previous episode, but I heard something that, um, and you know, if I've already said this, let me know. But I heard that purposely. Oh, we were talking about, uh, I think on the phone, but just like closing loops. The idea of closing loops and purposely leaving some loops open mm-hmm. so your mind keeps winding on it like Hemingway was uh, was notorious for doing that he would like he would write to would a finish a line extent, or something and then he would purposely start a line and then not finish it because he knew that the next day it'd be like to quote Morpheus a splinter in your mind he would have to get back to it so he was hijacking his own habit because of he knew just human nature would be i have to finish that or else it's going to drive me crazy and he'd already developed the habit of writing but i think probably before he developed that habit he was like finishing off and then he was finding maybe that getting back to it was hard Mm -hmm. Eh, i could do this today that mm-hmm. feels better. And it's because he was completing. Like, but if he was leaving that open, then he would have to get back to it the next day. He'd have to stay on top of it if it would if it was still left open until he finished the book. And then he would just start another book. I think that's such an important and strategic thing to do if you're working on something creative. Because I think we should close the loops for little yeah. errands and things that if you think you've got the time to do it, definitely finish up folding your laundry because it's still in your head whether you know it or not. But they say like if a song is stuck in your head, make sure that you just finish out, you know, listen to it or sing the whole thing until the end of it. Sing the the final chorus, you know, in verse and go through it. And that puts a stamp on it. And that's supposed to make closure for it. Not that it's going to work 100% because sometimes the Macarena is just in your goddamn head. There's nothing you can do about it. But as far as something creative that you want to keep your head on to purposely do that is such a smart way to hack. And now knowing that if we don't do it, we only have ourselves to blame because that's just how it works. That's the way that the mind wants to go. It's so cool yeah. hearing that. I'm like, oh, yeah, there's other things in life that point to that. Yeah, I have to use that. Yeah, that's a too powerful of- tool. I think definitely you're serving it up to your dreams, you know, like you go to sleep that night and you got something to work on um, or you're having trouble with something. You can stop short and just say you're, you know, consciously saying 
I'm going to stop here, but I'm midway. But you're kind of serving it up to um, for your brain to work on it while you're sleeping, you know. Get a little help from your subconscious. Why do you got, why do you have to do all the heavy lifting yourself? Get some yeah. help. Get some well, inspiration it, from the muse. And even you, Phil, talking about that. You didn't mention. I don't think you were mentioning. Um, you know, having at least hearing you talk about helping her learn how to skateboard reminded me of so often. I I don't know if it's a bad palace or just a, a bad way of dealing with things that I, I want to go all the way, you know, and I get frustrated, but it's, it's nice if you can voluntarily just take it in bite sized chunks, little steps and just, you be surprised. I mean, I might get myself really stressed trying to teach my daughter how to do something. And then what happens? She wakes up the next morning and she's got it. At least that step. You know, but I could at least, I might, I might be doing an okay job. I might not have to elicit all my effort to try to make something happen when it happens on its own later on. And it just seems like you can focus on having a good day and doing what you can and not exhausting all your attention and energy reserves in bad states, you know, um, when it's, it's going to be. I, it reminds me of Addy in the snow, me just letting go and just saying, we've got this. We're here all day. Don't worry. You know, there, there's no failure. Um, she, she might get it that day. She might get it the next time we come up, but at least focus on having a good day. They, they'll learn and yeah. anybody has to, you know, I think yeah. there's a lot of things at work when you do that. <clears throat> yeah. And it's, uh, again, they feed off of our energy. So if you're the parent who's like, you've got to win, <laughs> you know, they're going to, they're going to stress out. And, and there are people and there are people who in that environment, they will beat themselves up until they do break through. But is that the habit? Is that the kind of learning that you want to, perpetuate in your child i don't think it is i mean like you can get them probably pretty far in life and you've seen i think there are huge examples of people that have they've achieved massive quote-unquote uh success they've acquired a lot of things that way but i don't think that's a healthy way and you know to to get that and i think you can do the exact same you can have the same amount of things or you know success however you define it going a much healthier way you know like just being calm and saying okay well what's not working being rational being bill on the the tube you know with his cocktail in the storm of chaos being that guy then they'll start to naturally pick up that way of dealing with their conflict versus like no you're right i am a loser i have to <laughs> i have to double down and i have to stress out and I not get sleep and i'm going to push through this problem because it's like i've i've been there so many times mm -hmm. i think everyone has but it's it's amazing listening to the podcast that we do 
hearing stuff from like guys like Matthew Walker and then you know Fred Armisen is I you know hearing on Pete Holmes's you made it weird that Fred Armisen is the master of micro goals that's such a huge key to unlocking a healthy habit in your life where you know tapping into his genius <laughs> Pete was asking him like wait hold on let me break this down you never had the goal of being on Saturday Night Live no I had the goal of uh, I'm here on stage I just want to do a little bit better yeah there that's a little bit better you know and him moving through every moment so focused on the present moment of like I'm here I'm, I'm with you guys this is weird why am I up here you know and everyone's laughing they're like he is genuinely present and that's actually what he's selling and I think that's what anybody who's in that like role like as a comedian a stand-up comedian that's what they are that's actually what you're selling you're like yeah. are you there or are you just like rehashing or re-recording something that you've practiced that feels so artificial you know you may have had like some inkling of who you were in that idea but it's all drained out because you've hammered it a million times but fred armison's like he showed up he may not have anything prepared and he's like i'm gonna be honest with you guys i'm with you <laughs> and everyone's like thank you for that honesty and he's like uh these keys are poking my pocket hold on and everyone starts laughing why is that funny that's not even a joke He's being 100% honest, but like people in the audience start laughing because he's taking keys out. That's not funny. Yeah, it is. Because Fred is like, hold on. This is more important than all you assholes. Yeah, that's better. That becomes a joke because he's so effing present. That's magic. And, and like listening to these geniuses and, and hearing it, it's just, it's an exciting time of, um, human evolution where we can hear from other people and you're like holy crap that's your mastery you just brought that i need to work that into my fold of my life wim hof is like i've been breathing for 40 years like this and i hold 26 guinness book of world record but more importantly i'm a i'm a loving caring human being who's extremely balanced and i care about people what a message you know it's so cool that we were able to tap into these things and and like share them with other people it's it's really cool mm -hmm. i i love what you say about armison it's funny to me that it sounds so strange and yet we all do that we all have been doing that a certain amount of seconds ago we were crapping our pants and couldn't <laughs> hold our head up so how the hell did we get from that to this with all our goals, ambitions, predispositions, our biases, and all that? It's just a series of steps when you get down to it. But this guy is—he understands it. He's—he—he's he, got this intimate understanding of it, and we think, "Oh, that's nonsense." It's not nonsense. Like, but what happens when you start to? to like put a magnifying glass over it and really start to to do that you can you can figure out how you do certain things you can change it okay um, so let's practice this right in this very moment guys let's be so in tune and present in this moment 
what can you do sitting in your chair with your headphones in? What can you do to make this just a little better? Micro. Let's goal. keep let's keep this PG, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, but like really think about it because this it's uh it's really easy to talk about these things, get jazzed up about it, but like let's be Fred right now. Let's be Fred like. What would make you feel better? I instantly started to breathe. Yep, heavier. that's exactly what I was thinking. Too. I was, <laughs> I'm just a half step behind both of you. But as soon as I was like, okay, I naturally, I wasn't even thinking it. I just naturally took a big breath. Yeah. It's the one that's, that, I mean, you can't shoot. It's, you got that, you got water, sunlight, that. good rest breath is the that's the one that that's the baseline that's home base yeah that is a lot better I think that him putting the magnifying glass on that is so impactful because it reminds you of the choices that you have all the time And because life flows through so consistently for us and then we get, you know, going on with the things that we have to do, get lost in it, it's easy to get overwhelmed by life and forget that you have choices to make in every situation, no matter what. And I'm going to stand by what we all went through right there that the the one that you can make all the time and probably has some of the biggest change for you is breathing. It's, that's the simplest thing ever to make such a big difference. But it's, I think that that's, uh, that's huge to look at any situation that you can make choices in the micro that affect the macro of your day and your life. That's a very profound thing that Fred Armisen's doing. And he's, he's doing it in the classic way of get him laughing, get him in. But I wonder if even if he had that as kind of a larger epiphany in his life and then he adopted it and just has fun with it and keeps it light. Fred is now in my palace with Bill because I just heard Fred. I just heard Fred. And he goes, why do you have so many fucking wires everywhere? There's wires and shit all over here. And I'm looking and I'm like, you're right. You're right, Fred. I don't like this. We got to do something about this, Phil. I'm like, okay, all right. What I found through my several weeks um, is finding people that could get to me that even if they didn't say anything, it was just enough. Fred Armisen is definitely one of those guys. You, you talking, I, I just see his face. This is bonkers. Just... <laughs> he would say bonkers. He's a bonkers kind of guy. Um, but also, I think a great thing that you had said, I think it's really, it becomes less of a static tool and something that constantly brings you, brings you into an attentive state is to have an an actual conversation, a live conversation with this person that might not always be the same. It's not a, a static trophy in your pocket. It's something I'm going to talk to Bill and Bill's going to talk to me and I'm going to let him talk to me. I'm going to let, I'm going to have this fresh conversation, new conversation with Fred. And you could even say that you're going to give him a call. You know, it's like, I'm going to have a choice right now. I'm going to breathe and I'm going to say, Fred, uh, I've, uh, 
what should I do? Well, I, I, I like you say, like, like him going inside your head and looking at you through your eyes. What the hell's going on, right? Like, I can, you and I can see his bread. like eyes rolling around, like looking. <laughs> like this is madness. Like, yeah. <laughs> wait, what? You you should really, uh, you know, just settle on a. You're not well. Get some water. Like, <laughs> take a breath. Oh God, when was the last time you got outside, Phil? You know, like. Like oh Jesus Fred I didn't even You're notice right. that thanks like and it does it helps okay so and this falls in line I just listened to Kevin Hart on Joe Rogan yeah I've started it highly recommend yeah great one amazing and there was a brief moment in that interview where he talked about himself in the third person Joe made a joke and then Kevin just kind of like he didn't even pay attention to the joke and he moved on and it's something that i like obviously michael jordan does this michael jordan does that i think with these top performing people in any field what they are doing and it's what we're doing creating a palace and having fred in it is we're saying that is a character and you yourself are a character you get to make choices for this character. This character is not running your life. So Michael Jordan says, I'm going to take the character of Michael Jordan because I am above him. I, I am not this vessel. This vessel is separate from me. I'm just the extremely infinite powerful energy that is funneling through that and I can throw that suit in any situation that I choose so Michael Jordan is going to fly through the air and put that ball in that because I choose to do that I can choose whatever I want for that suit I can punish that thing I can reward it whatever and that separates you from Oh God, it's fucking freezing in here. You know, you're like, who cares? This is good for me because now you're making a decision based off of, you know, a a separated mindset. You're not going through the conflict. This conflict is happening. You're separating yourself from that situation. It's not happening to you. It's happening for you, and you staying on that wavelength of this is happening for you and you're separate from the situation, you have the ability and the perspective to see why it's happening for you. But if you're in it, if you're, I'm, you know, Philip Ellering, I'm right here between my eyes and I'm looking out and this is all, it's happening to you, you don't have the perspective enough to know why it's happening to you what your lesson is what your next step is you're drowning you know um, you're caught in it instead of above it looking at it and saying oh yeah I know why because this is teaching me patience this is teaching me conflict resolution this is teaching me all these great things that I have asked for I know I've asked for them I want to be a leader I've said that I've asked for that with my heart that I want to be able to step up into a role. Well, guess what? 
baby step today is this. Okay, you say you want to be more inclined with, uh, you know, technical stuff. Maybe the baby step is your, um, your garbage disposal breaks down. You're like, son of a bitch. If this, if you're in that situation, if it's happening to you, son of a bitch, why me? Oh, I could be doing a million other things. Well, guess what? Paint the fence, motherfucker. You're Danielson and you're being taught by Mr. Miyagi. And he says, that's the best thing for you to get to what you just asked for. That is the easiest, most basic, most logical step. And that's all there are, as we talked about. You know, it's just mm. one baby step after the other. I think it's a good reminder, too, that anytime you talk about yourself in the third person, people are going to think you're fucking crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not that, not that that's not a good point it, to create space between you and the character that you're experiencing in the world. But there's an ordinary state of, of experience that we all kind of agree on. Mm-hmm. and how to act and when you step out of that under not the perfect scenario there's just that reaction where you're like even if i know what you're talking about i still kind of go mm, okay. okay you the, know that's this a, guy's that's, full of himself that's a well, well, yeah. Point. yeah i mean there's there's always the context of the situation and i think that's one of those ones that if you know other people are listening you almost i wonder if you know you feel like you have to kind of address it and be like, ah, you know, and, and poke at it. Although you should be poked at a little bit in that case, if you actually are thinking that you're the greatest thing ever. I, I don't know. It's it's a strange game that I would never fully understand without being in his shoes. But it's incredibly oh, I, I effective. I don't know if it's that important to Good call reminder. you out in the uh, third person to somebody else. I mean, I think we've we all know what that state feels like. Right. And it might have been very intensely personal that no one else could see but you you kind of get blasted out of your normal like reaction and you could see instead of saying why me why does this always happen to me it's like wait i need to learn something here you know you but whatever whatever that is that kind of pushes you into that uh, it's a you have an awareness finally you're not just kind of going down a certain pattern that you always follow when this happens and you know it being asleep you kind of feel like well of course i'm not good at this or these things always happen to me or, or whatever it happens to be um you can you're kind of pushed into that other space where you can consciously make a choice look at your surroundings and say and ask questions and you know, and, and ask yourself or ask Fred, you know, what am I supposed to do here? And I, I think there's there's guidance in a state like that. Or you start to make better decisions when you actually ask a, uh, a question that's here and now as opposed to just like, you know, with unawareness bringing up your your past and just doing what you always do, which... Not to say it's always bad, but it's uh, it's it's important. I think that was my my point with uh, the parental tools that I always felt like I wanted to have the tool that worked, so I didn't have to. You know, I I didn't have to. I didn't want to be awake. I I didn't want to be in that place of being awake. I just wanted the damn. You know, I just I wanted the tool that would work whenever I needed the it. The cheat code. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted the cheat code. And it's like, well, the cheat code is realizing that you're not Nate Ellering, Phil Ellering, Chris Ellering. You're, you don't, and, you don't and have you're, to be. And no, you don't have to be. It's like you can, uh, and you're you're not a whole lot of other things either. And yet you're all of those things. Mm-hmm. You, but you you come back to a place where it, it, and it's not so. In some ways, it's not so mystical at all. It's just, come on, ask the question here and now. You're alive, damn it. You know, you can look at what's going on. So maybe the question that we should ask is like okay chris you were the one who decided to put john malkovich in your anger palace what you were actually doing is you were saying this guy is the master of this but you did an interesting thing which i tried to replicate and i was like this isn't going to work for me but Mm -hmm. i love the genius within it because that works that worked for you and it works for you is that you did almost a a flip that you said here is the master of doing anger and i find that ridiculous so that would wake me up to how ridiculous i'm going to be and what was happening without me even thinking about it but what happened just now when we were talking about fred armison is i did the opposite of that still still using those tools but i was saying here is the master of doing this situation correctly and i want to align myself with that thinking knowing that my default habit of how i think i am is not going to yield the results that i desire because i've so i'm so baked in to well this is what i do and this is how i react so i'm just going to push this button because i've pushed this button a million times what we're doing is we're saying don't push that button yet mm-hmm. what button would fred armison push and i push that button but you did an interesting thing where you're like what button would john malkovich malkovich push <laughs> I'm not going to push that button, but now that I've paused, I'm looking at that button and saying, like, my button's nowhere near that ridiculous. But because you've taken the moment to take a breath and you've gained awareness of how ridiculous reacting like that, and even a more extreme example with Malkovich, you've now taken the proper amount of time to pause, breathe, think, and it's one, two, three. You're taking steps back from that situation enough so that you can clearly think. And I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. And to ask. I don't know if the Malkovich thing really works for me at that point. I mean, I can see how it could work. Um, but I definitely like the idea of having. I think I was still thinking of of going to that place which is pretty much the same every time you know it reminded me i used to build i i learned about something called uh i don't know if you guys had heard about nlp neurolinguistic programming i did it years ago and i remember at the time and i realized through this process that it was building palaces 
Uh, in fact, I built a terrible palace. I think I've mentioned it before, I, not as a palace, but it's kind of creating almost like just a, a warrior, like a Hulk type character, you know? And sadly enough, I, I think I became a master of it. And he makes a shit show of everything. And I realized through this process that I, I need to undo palaces. And when I, when I was doing NLP, I would try to build, like I said, I, I didn't think of it this way, but I was, it was state elicitation. So I was always trying to build this palace kind of a scene where everything was supposed to lull me into this deep peace or serenity or happiness or confidence, whatever. And it never seemed to work correctly. It might every now and then, or I might find myself there accidentally. But I, the one thing I loved about our conversation about Bill was that he wasn't in this he wasn't in this monastery with serene music or whatever. He was floating on a floaty in the middle of a hurricane with a cocktail being Bill. You know, you see him on the golf course screaming and you're like, he's not mad. I I can see having the benefit of, I don't like the idea of building a scene where in the midst of your own hurricane that's really happening for you, you have to, remind yourself or have something remind you of this other place which is the antithesis because from my experience i will still fight in this moment i don't want to be serene uh, this is my enemy and i want to destroy it and i want to win i want to succeed whatever i want to complete something want to get something done and what helped me was i realized with like bill seeing bill in that I realized he's not somewhere else he's not trying not to be where he is he's not trying not to be in the state he's in he's here you know Fred is talking to you Bill is he's in the middle of a catastrophe but he's not behaving that way and for me I think it's heading into the storm it's heading into failure it's heading into the it's not trying to move away from it you know so um i started to build palaces where it was not not going it, it was trying to communicate with a figure a mentor that has been able to penetrate my warrior you know before and i've had those experiences and i tried to remember the people that have done that and for me bill murray um in his own way uh fred rogers was another one there was another one i did where it was grandpa and me on their back deck and i mean powerful shit that like stops me like um but at the same time you're you're not exactly going to a place that's so friendly and light um but it, i think it helps you it reminded me to look at my scenario, what is actually going on with a different perspective. Um, I, I don't know, uh, I, I feel like I, I've deviated away from your point or your question. Um, your, the image of the Hulk 
keeping the palace the person that you wanted to be. It's funny because I think that that's the first stop for for anyone going through these kinds of things where your natural inclination is to build something up and make it stronger, but all you're really yeah. doing is making just the ultimate form of resistance to it. Yeah. And I think any of our blocks are probably echoing that, that we're figuring out ways to not harden to the things that are in front of us, but to laugh and to let things kind of permeate and go through you and it'll be okay. And you can, yeah. you know, you let the occurrence happen and then, then you have some space and you can kind of see it for the way that you want to see it, the way that you're going to get to choose how to react and respond like Fred, you know, little micro mm-hmm. things and go, well, I just want to make it a little better. And I'll sleep on it and I'll do even better tomorrow. <laughs> I read that thing, Phil, uh, that you sent about the failure versus the growth mindset. And then yeah. I had this one day where I was Samson. He loves the taste of drip line. He really likes it. He likes to, he and once you repair the drip line, he he likes to oh, you know, he he leaves he leaves it alone after he bites into it. But then as soon as you repair it, he and then you patch it up and throw a bunch of bark on top of it with mud, he likes to uncover it and bite it again, you know. So there was this one day and I'm pissed and I'm going full Hulk. I don't have to think about this. I'm not asking the question. I'm not going to my special place and going Yes, Hulk out. Um, I'm already there. And yet, I had started building palaces, or at least I, I wanted a person that would be in each place. And Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers, was in one of them. And somehow it was him talking to me the way he would, but also I realized it was the growth mindset. Um, something about the growth mindset, or at least a failure mindset, reminded me of this constant need to prove myself and also like to get it done right now and have it always be done like just a lot of things that were so get it done get it accomplished get it over with um being pissed off and resentful that i have to do it again and suddenly it was the opposite of that fred is talking to me and he's like you don't have to prove anything like he he loves me and it's just it's stopping all the shit that I normally have. The the I've gotta hulk out even more to be able to, to do this. And it's like, God, it takes a lot of energy out of you. And God, it makes you hate doing what you're doing. And suddenly with this voice of Fred Rogers in my head, I was very calm and I was just automatically breathing and figuring it out and approaching failure too. Like, one of my things is that I'm not handy. I'm not good at these things. That's not me. This yard work, I, that's not me. Um, and suddenly I wasn't doing that. I wasn't reacting. And I was approaching failure. And each time it was like Fred and I were having this ongoing conversation. And, okay, I got to go back up to Green Acres. Okay, I got to ask a question. I, you know, and suddenly I was just behaving differently but it it forced me not to the the limiting mindset the failure mindset the fixed mindset was all about like i know everything even if it is that i'm just incompetent at this but the growth mindset is heading into failure i might not be good at this right now but there's something i need to learn there's something Mm -hmm. i need to 
and it might be tonight is it's a complete waste of it's not it can't be a waste of time but i'm gonna just take one step after another and see what happens and i learned how to repair drip line i and it, it's fairly straightforward and when i didn't know what i was looking for and i couldn't see it i'm looking everywhere i'm like it's not me to like me to ask a question at the store and suddenly ask the question and he's like oh it's right right in front of you i'm like of course it is you know and i find the one and we had a laugh when i had said yeah my lab my labrador likes drip line he's like oh yeah they they like everything you know um but having I realized that these palaces needed. I didn't. I, I didn't realize it until you said it that it has to be an ongoing conversation. It has to be this brand new, fresh place that you go to, and you. I, I think it's important that. You know they, you communicate with them and they communicate with you, and you got to see how it, changes the situation that you're in right now. I had written about this at one point, and uh, I don't know. Um, anyway, uh, something in me wanted it, it. Prior to this, it always felt as if I just wanted, like I had said, the tool in my pocket that will just be able to fix it. I don't want to put in any work. I don't want to go through any more suffering or learn anything new. I just want something to be done with. But strangely enough, there's a lot of suffering and continuing to fight something that way. When it would be so much easier if you could just let down your guard and learn something. There's there's not a lot of suffering there. It's I mean it's you get creative and it's just it's just the passing of time and you but you find yourself curious. Um I'm just so unused to doing that. I think a lot of people are. I think a lot of people are in a fixed mindset they're actually crippling themselves because they have prematurely defined themselves as a thing and when they get any kind of message outside of that definition it holds them back they're crippled by it i mean that's what that article said to me um mm -hmm. that i read that it was like oh i'm smart so I can do math. And then if they hit a math problem that they're not good at, their whole world blows up. And they may not move forward. You know? And that's unfortunate. You know, some people have, like, have done that in their lives where they've blown up completely and it's over. Because their image of themselves as being this perfect thing that can do math was blown up so they've stopped growing when anything that they did up to that point was growth and it was done you know with baby steps but it's like they failed to see all those baby steps mm -hmm. because of one problem that they couldn't solve it's like, well, you did all this other stuff. That, that doesn't erase all of this other work that you did to to make you believe that you're you're you know it's just a different step. It was one that came with a little bit more of a challenge, and you're gonna allow that to stop you? Wow, that's incredible. Mm 
So, but with the growth mindset, it just says, you know, roll up the sleeves and you're like, you're excited by that next step that you're like, Ooh, this one wasn't easy. Yeah. It's starting to get well, it, trickier, it, but that should, it, that like that kid that was going through that, he got energy from it. And I love how this woman was so honest that, you know, like she observed that and she goes, how at this kid's age, is he a master of life? Yeah. Because that's really all it is. Well, and I, is I forget that. exactly what he said, but I was like, th- part of me said, this is bullshit. No kid talks that way. But maybe what I should I have said is no human. Uh, maybe. <laughs> Elon um, Musk. I hope so. But it, it's it's staggering to me because you realize just how it, – it, what is the quality of those moments that shake you, that stop you, that make you get out of Phil Ellering, Chris Ellering, Nate Ellering, and go, everything might change right now. I'm okay with that. Like, we don't like that at all. We don't want to change, and we don't want a change. We want to have some level, some degree of control of, of a lot of things. But in the moments that... And it, I think it's the moments that, like, when I hulk out and something is able to finally pierce all that resistance and I finally go, thank you, you know? And it feels like such a relief. But it's also a relief from my resistance. But up until that point, it's like, well, no, this is this is terrible. This is bad. This is wrong. Up until the very moment when you realize it's not and then you're okay. And then you're saying, thank you. Like, why I've been hurting myself, and I'm the only one who's been hurting myself. Um, but obviously, I want to get better at holding onto the rudder a little, like, less hard all the time. Um, I, I don't want to learn the hard lessons, uh, I, these valuable lessons, after, you know, doing what I normally do. Because um, it, it's, it's a joy when something when the scenery changes where the situation changes and you can be a little bit less in control the way we normally are you know what a powerful thing too the growth versus fixed mindset where it makes it easy too because i look at things because of that after reading that looking at things that i was firming up on and and making a statement on what i am and what i am good at and it makes it so clear where if i'm interested in something all I have to do is play and I will discover new things instead of going, Oh, I'm no good at that where I'm just completely eliminating things. Well then if I'm no good at something and I, and I'm not interested in it, it makes it really easy to go, Oh, well I don't want to grow at that. So I'm just, <laughs> yeah. I'm just not going to be a golfer. Like I, I right. not my game. Cool. But then anything that I do want to grow at, it changes it where I'm like, okay, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a little easier on myself in the beginning and just grow and do it. And all I'm really doing is figuring out the relation to my past and my possible outcomes, what I can grow into with that. And the cool thing is whatever I'm getting hung up on, whatever's tough is because of my perspective, my past and what's my combination coming into that growth. But the cool thing is that completely unlocks my personalized perspective, my unique viewing and doing of that thing it's 
it's everything right there. That's all that we do all the time. And yet we tell ourselves we're fixed and we're not good at this or we're, you know, you're this thing that can't change in some ways. Complete bullshit. Yeah. And it's so simple. It's so simple to go into that that way. It's like if, if there's something that I want to grow at, I just have to put more focus on it. Just figure out a way to nerd out more. And it kind of takes care of itself. Yeah. Okay. So what are the steps? So the step is have a growth mindset. Um, you everyone i think at a, after a certain point in life or at least i hope they know the things that they'd like to grow at and then there are obstacles that are only self-imposed um that are in their way those obstacles can be superseded with a growth mindset because they say okay every problem has a solution um something that i've recently picked up a habit that has been tremendous is that you have a a problem or an obstacle in your way write out what that problem is because oftentimes when you have that in your mind you're looking at it from a a non-linear perspective which is great for creativity and it was a problem that I had because a lot of things that stood in my way I'm a creative you know I say this I'm a creative thinker or whatever I I wasn't writing out the obstacles that were in my way so sometimes they would build to a certain point that I'm like god this thing is a wall like I don't I don't know how to I'm just not this thing and it was a fixed mindset but in a growth mindset you're like okay, well, I can get past that. I just need to know what the problem is so I can troubleshoot and get past. And like I'd seen, you know, I've grown up observing that you're really good at that, Nate. Like, um, you are too, Chris. I think you guys excel at, like, troubleshooting things like that because you naturally move in that direction. And that's something that has been a long... Um, it's been long for me to figure out like okay break it down don't get overwhelmed write it down write out what the issue is and then um and then just move toward it you know and mm. look up information on it and become more aware of what it is that's frustrating you and then with a calm demeanor just move and and do the steps but i you know, in the past, I've emotionally reacted, gotten frustrated. And I see that a lot in mom, you know, where she's like, make it work. And she's she's just looking for the solution outside of herself. And she's, Jack, fetch the printer. And it's like, why can't you, Bonnie? You know, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm asking myself that quite often, too. And it's like, and I understand her frustration 100%. I relate with that so yeah. hard because we're coming from a thing from, you know, a we have a big soup of creative thoughts floating around in our head and we channel that all the time. So we've gotten really strong at thinking with that side of the mind and it leaves like a gaping blind spot. But like the thing that's helped me at that stage is just write out the problem and then you know go at it that way but it's like, funny to me that how often 
I totally relate with that. I even when you say you're good at troubleshooting, it's almost like I've often forgot that there's Google, you know, which is strange. I've or I've done it for programming, but I haven't done it for everything else. And um, but we have more resources now than ever. Yeah, and it's. It, it kills me that I, I will still go down these weird patterns and then go, oh, shit. Like, some uh, some other person or something else points me in the right direction. You're like, whoops. But there is something that that occurs when I'm dealing with a problem like that and I go emotional and go reactive first. Um, I will... I think when... If I were to be told it, it's good in theory to sit back and write out the problem. But in the moment where I'm really frustrated, I always think, and this is not a good thought, that, no, I just need it done. Like, no, that's gonna take too much time. But then I've had so many experiences where it's like, fine, how long did it take you to solve that problem on your own? Like, how long were you dealing with that problem? A day, a week, you gave up, and then what? You, or you woke up the next day finally after deciding I'm going to get this done. If it kills me, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. I fall asleep. I wake up, and then I have it. And I realize I didn't need to stay up at all. Like you could have given the problem over, but you decided that you, didn't, you had to get it done right now, and you didn't get it done. But it was finally when I let go. Um, it's in the moment. It's almost... You need that to pop thought. the balloon. You need to masturbate. You need to you need to complete. It's but I think it's always worth sitting back and asking that question or just saying or or realizing this is an open loop. I'm going to sleep. I'm going to write it out and then I'll go to sleep or do something else whatever or I'll write it out or I'll do a Fred Armisen and go, "Yeah, yeah, this is what's happening." And yeah, 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 that that's I, I don't want that to happen and or get real curious or whatever something that brings you into that mindset um, and what I got to get better at is that the resistance to sitting down and doing that because it's almost always like this is not a waste of time at all ever um, and whatever whatever the problem you're dealing with can wait you know I, I'm sure um, for you to get a not only a better way of resolving this one specific problem but all problems and really there's no problems whatsoever i mean you find what you're really dealing with right now you just have to breathe you know it's you can convince yourself that you've got i think when i go into hulk mode it feels like i can push all this other stuff aside and go yeah 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 i'll get to that when i get all this other stuff done but right now i'm surrounded by a demon horde that I've got kids attacking each other. I've got I've got to do this. I've got to do that. I've got to do this, and then I spend an entire day, which for me feels like hell. And it's like, and then I look at what I've accomplished. I always almost always feel like that's it. That's all I did, and it wasn't enjoyable. Um, I think the times that I. I end up employing more creative means. I'm always surprised at how little I gave, how how little of my, you know, energy I gave, and how much I got back. 
it's the the 80-20 rule that goes okay in one direction it's all beating myself up and not getting anything back and then whenever I go the opposite it's I'm always amazed you know um, so it's just becoming good at that to get back to a point that was uh, I think we derailed quite a bit ago but Nate, you were talking about the third person, talking about ourselves in third person, how that's socially not acceptable. And I 100% agree. I love those moments, though. Um, Kevin Hart doing it, and then uh, like Arnold when he said, or stay up. Mm-hmm. Those little glimpses of what they're doing, those are such amazing Easter eggs. And it's like, yeah. You don't want to show your hand. Mm-mm. You don't want to show your hand, but I love it when masters show their hand for a brief moment. Arnold never shows his hand. But in Pumping Iron, when he's a little bit young, he's still 27, He's he slipped in that moment. And instead of being Arnold like he would normally, you know, Frank Zane's working him, he's trying to get into his head... And Arnold and it and Frank Zane did get into his head just a little bit. Enough to evoke the actual subconscious of Arnold to counter. And then he's like, that's what's going on in my mind. Normal Arnold would know that he would think or stay up, but he wouldn't say or stay up. He'd be like, No, 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 Frank. Come on. You're not tall. You're not as good looking as me. I've already won. Like he would say something like that, very cocky, and he would slant him because then that would get in Frank's head. It would be a counter in a way that would be equal and then also funny and charming. That's Arnold. And that's how he deflects. But what's going on underneath that little treasure of or stay up like that's what's really going on that's the inner dialogue and mm-hmm. I love hearing that like I, I love you know Kevin Hart slipping a little bit he's like Kevin Hart is because that is his process underneath is that's mm-hmm. why he's able to accomplish so much is that every single day he's stepping outside of himself to say alright today isn't going to be easy so I'm going to have to separate myself from the conflict that comes at me because I have asked for this storm. And in order to deal with it, I cannot be in me right now. Like I have to always have that perspective and that awareness that's outside of myself. Because as he mentions, I don't know if you guys have listened to the interview, but he mentions that there was something that he did when he was younger. Uh, something that A joke that he said that got him a whole bunch of backlash from the uh, LBGTQ um, you know, group. And he's like, no matter how much he apologizes, they still hold that on, t- on him. And that was, that was a good, and he even mentions it, like that was a good wake-up call for him. So I think that right there is kind of like, that was the catalyst for him developing like all right you have to be on all the time but to be on all the time that takes a lot of energy so how do you do that and like i wouldn't you know 
no one's going to want to be on all the time like that. And he's like, okay, so how do I do this? I have to separate myself from myself a little bit. So I'm, mm-hmm. I have a broader awareness. Mm-hmm. I think, I think it's a healthy thing. And I almost, I wonder if to get to a Kevin Hart and, and I'm saying that like a qualifier, like, a, I don't know the right word for it, but to say by saying that earlier, I'm not ribbing him for it. I have a theory here though. And I, I wonder if to get on the level of a Michael Jordan or a Kevin Hart to kind of stay balanced and to be able to navigate those things, those places that those, the situations that someone in that position is in. I wonder if you have to create that separation so you don't get emotionally pulled into the just ridiculous situations that he has put in. Like he, I've only listened to some of that interview, but the guy standing outside of the bathroom and mm-hmm. he's got a phone in his face right away. And that's only getting worse over the next few years. I think hopefully those kinds of things will kind of balance out. But for someone to get to that point, you have to have that separation. Otherwise, it's just such a bizarre place to be in, your, in the world. And you're going to have so few people that you can relate to. I'm sure everything is moving so fast. The only way that you can do it is to make that separation. But I think that oh, I think yeah. we all play games. And you can play some powerful ones if you start to choose which games to play. Uh, Phil, I think you've you've talked about those in the past. You and I have talked about the games. I think we all have. The, the internal games that we play and to use those for effects of what we want to do. But I think you really shouldn't disclose those to people that you're not close with because it can take the power away from them if you're ridiculed for it. And if someone's not comfortable with you, I think it's a natural thing to ridicule that just by by nature. There's something within us because we're all agreeing to approach the world in this collaborative, normal state, but the world has so much more to offer. Reality has so much more to offer than what you see on the news or whatever our societal agreements are, which are great. They provide a framework that's really important, but I think the uh, the most power that we can have sometimes is playing our games. And and Nathan Ellering's just trying to move up in the world and <laughs> do a good well, job. Yeah, uh, we we all have them. We absolutely all have them. But to step above that and and ask the question like am I playing them correctly? Should I should, should I change them? I think that I think they're playing you if you you kind of do it passively. Mm-hmm. Everybody's got them. But unless you step up above them and and assess them it, it it's just kind of a mishmash of things this collection of things that just somehow you arrived at this state um and you don't really have any control over it um but to ask that question is to kind of you know force you back into that position where you can assess them you make better decisions um but yeah i think that uh anyway I agree. I think that if you're not using the tools at your disposal some way, even in a deferred or diffused way, they're using you yeah. and they're pulling you along. And it's, it's usually taking you by reaction, by emotional points, sticking points that you're not aware of, something in a blind spot. And it's not like the work's ever done. I think we all have blind spots that creep up on us in times. 
we think usually pride before the fall that you think, oh, I'm a finished product. I'm good to go. I'm a fully enlightened, yeah, great person. I got it all figured out. And then, boom, you get hit with a blind spot. Well, it's, it's, it wouldn't be any fun if there wasn't it. Um, the things that pull you, you know, your phone pulling your attention mm. will continue to pull you. And you might make a, a goal of saying, uh, you know, I, I need to stop doing this. I need to stop doing this. And then you might get frustrated that you always say that. But to step up in that position where you say, let, let, me, let me sit down and look at this and take control over the situation. What's really going on here? You might actually be able to do something about it as opposed to just always saying, well, it's January 1st again. I'm going to make this, you know, I mean, it just seems like that's always going to use you like it uses everybody else. Starting on Monday. This Starting time Monday, I mean it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I have to get going. I as well. So, uh, are you guys good with the episode? Are you, uh, think everything was said? I, I think it was, and I'm, I'm excited to listen to it because again, you know, we talked about this and I'm glad that we're like recording our, our conversations now on the phone because it's like, it's hard to get to a place where you're riffing in a way that you're like, okay, yeah, we are, we're unlocking things or we're connecting ideas that are currently at our forefront of our mind in a way that's that will benefit us moving forward instead of just being like okay this was the assignment and it becoming kind of homework but i feel like i feel like we reached that Mm -hmm. with this i do too yeah that's awesome i I love uh, right away i felt like the episode always the intent is never exactly what it ends up being, but it's always better, you know? Yeah. It's, this is the homework, but this is what actually happened, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important just to get lost in a conversation in it. And we definitely hit that today. That's, yeah. it's not a checklist to go through. Well, I've got to say this and make sure I get to these points. It's like, I'd rather just get, get riffing, like you said, and, and get going and, I think we hit it for sure. Cool. Awesome. Well, it, it was uh, at certain. Uh, well, let's uh, stop. Let's stop. All right. <laughs>